Listening to the Gods to Ghosts Volleyball Podcast with your host Scott Bemke. Our podcast today features part one of our interview with Norway's own Jan Kvalheim. Jan grew up learning the sport in Norway as a youth and built himself into a player that eventually competed indoors in the professional leagues in France. First, for Arago Cite from 1984 through 1989 where his team ultimately won the French Cup in 1988. He then competed for AS Cannes from 89 through 92, where he was a member of two French championships indoors. On the beach, Jan competed on the FIVB Tour and also in the Summer Olympics with fellow countryman and partner Bjorn Maside, where they won seven FIVB titles, including the 94 World Championships, and competed in the 1996 Olympiads as a beach team in Atlanta, Georgia, and then again in Sydney, Australia in 2000. Without further ado, let's get started with listening to Jan's Part 1 interview. Okay, Jan Kvalheim, let's start at the beginning. Where did you uh, grow up? And then uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, home country. Yeah, I grew up in Norway, and I live in Skien, or Skien. It's a small city, uh, or it's, it's actually the 10th biggest city here in Norway. But there are only 50, 52,000 people living here, and um, it's two hours south of Oslo, which is the capital. And uh, there are uh, only 5.5 million people living in Norway. Uh, so it's a small country, we're way up north in Europe. Uh, so we have a winter here now. It doesn't have that much snow yet, but uh, I think the snow will come in January. But uh, it's a small country way up north uh, in Europe, and uh, it's a country where people are very interested in sports, and mostly winter sport and the soccer. Uh, but uh, sport is very popular here, and I've been doing sports uh, since I was six years old. So sport has also been very important for me the whole uh, life. Sure. As far as uh, what, uh, is your weather there similar to something maybe like the East Coast in in the United States or the Midwest where you have a fall, winter, spring, summer type thing or or what? Yeah, I think our capital Oslo is uh, often compared to New York, uh, the the climate of, of New York. So... Um, I think that's the um, that's the same climate, but uh, but we we'll north in Norway. There are some uh, places who doesn't have. Uh, there are not uh, the sun disappears too uh, in in the afternoon, so it's very dark and. Uh, but it's this beautiful country. The nature here is very very beautiful, and all the 
that um, tourists who come to Norway love the nature. Uh, we also have some uh, beach volleyball tournaments in Stavanger for many years on the FIVB World Tour. Sure. And uh, the, inter- the international players who came here loved the uh, loved the fjords, loved the nature, loved the people. Mm-hmm. So uh, Norwegian is quite cold as people. Uh, we are not that social uh, of us, but. Uh, We've gotten better on that, but uh, <laughs> it's it being very um, yeah, calm, uh, cold people, not like the South, Southern European uh, people. But um, it's it's a nice uh, nice country, nice people, and uh, it's quite quite life here. How nice! Now, one of the things that I'm really impressed by when it comes with uh, any of the Norwegians and the, the Swedes that I've, I've seen in, in certain bands that I enjoy listening to um, or other individuals I've met from there is that your, your uh, ability to speak English is better than a lot of the people that I know in the United States. Uh, so how, how does that come about where your, your English is so uh, developed? relative to, you know, pretty much any other country or, or person I've talked to from out of the States. I think it's important for the, the, the students to learn English. And uh, English is very important uh, to, to learn. And um, <laughs> it's, the kids in Norway, they, they listen to, to um, English and American music. They watch uh, TV series, they watch film. So um, in many European countries, the films and, and TV series are dubbed, so uh, it's on the, um, their own language. But here in Norway, everybody is, is, uh, is used to listening to English and American uh, sound. And, and, and it's quite important for Norwegians to, to be good at speaking English. So something that we learn very early. Uh, kindergarten now, they, they, they learn uh, kids uh, how to, to count from 1 to 10 in English. So uh, it's something that we learned early, and it's, uh, it's important for us to be good at uh, that language. Yeah, it, well, it, it certainly uh, comes across well, so it's pretty impressive. Now, you mentioned... Well, in school, we also learned German and French, but uh, it's not that important for us. And, uh, but uh, everybody is very motivated to learn English, and but French and German, they... they they, they often skip to class, but the English day, it's, uh, it's an important uh, class for us. Now, um, you mentioned that sports are very popular uh, there in Norway. So tell us a bit about your youth as a child and what sports you competed in and then how you made the uh, transition into the sport of volleyball. Yep. started to play soccer when I was uh, maybe six years old. And um, I have an older brother who is two years older than me. And my sister, which is, uh, she's three years younger than me. And um, me and my brother and sister, we, all, we did many sports. We played soccer, we played um, basketball, we did uh, athletics, and also swimming. And I think doing all these sports helped me uh, in my volleyball career uh, later, um, having done many different sports. And when I was 13 years old, uh, my brother was 15 years old, and he... He played on a school team in volleyball. I had never heard about volleyball when I, when my older brother asked me if I wanted to come to a volleyball training. And uh, he, because I was quite uh, tall when I was 13 years old. So, 
and he had started with his friends and he said that you are tall so you have to join us so <laughs> from next week to two a training so i joined him and i uh, after my first uh, couple of trainings i i i, I like the sports uh, or i like the sport but i didn't love it but after a while when i got better and uh we had so much fun on, on these trainings and uh, our coach was so great and it was fun i was so looking forward to the training sessions and um but also so some teacher then was so important for for me and my career so in the beginning we we did it for because it was fun but uh, when we get better i really start to love the sports and our teacher he he got help from seven other teachers from other schools around my region mm-hmm. so when i was 13 14 and 15 years old our school we played in a school league just organized by those teachers who wanted to do something for the kids how nice so during one school year yeah so during one school year we had we played 14 matches and uh, so we had something to look forward to we didn't just train uh, but we had the 14 matches and so that was the co- that was the uh, reason why i continued to play volleyball because uh, it was fun and we had these matches so and so after two years or three years uh, this teacher he started a club and uh, and that club in uh, after 15 years one of the best teams and clubs in in, uh, in norway and uh, after a while i came on the junior national team uh, when i was 18 and when i was 19 i i joined the um, national team indoor volleyball and uh, up until then i i did many sports but then i decided to only focus on volleyball because i um i felt that that was a sport that related to me i was six foot seven i had a good jump a good uh, reach and I, I had good ball control, so I felt that this is a sport where I can be good at. Uh, I'm quite lazy as a, as a person, <laughs> as an athlete. And, and uh, I played soccer, but I felt that the, the soccer field was too big, and then I started to play basketball, and it, it was a smaller court, but it was still a lot of running. But so I found the sport with, uh, with a ball, with a court where, where, where you don't have to run that much. 60 so feet by I, 30 I, I feet, right? <laughs> I, I, I thought that I found my sport. And um, so when I joined the national team when I was 19, I decided to quit all the other sports and only focus on volleyball. Well, it paid off for you. And I always think it's important, too. You mentioned something that I think uh, doesn't get credit enough is that when you learned at such a young age from that teacher, um, you know, if they're highly skilled and really know what they're doing at that level, uh, it's it makes a big difference to learn all those skills the correct way properly early on rather than having to have, be retrained in them later on. So did that teacher and uh, coach, if you will, did they have a pretty strong background in the sport that they were so impactful on, on you as a player and made it so much fun and you developed your skills that way? He didn't know that much about volleyball because then volleyball wasn't that uh, well known or big here in Norway. But but uh, he was really great in creating a fun atmosphere. Uh, we had so much fun. We were laughing uh, most of the time, and we had so much fun at practice and uh, when we played matches. And so he has been so important for me in my career. 
and one of my uh, biggest regrets in my life, I, I celebrated my 40th birthday party uh, here in Skien uh, 17 years ago, and I forgot to invite him. <laughs> and when I, yeah, and, and, I, and I, when I realized that, I felt so bad, uh, because I have so much to thank him uh, that he, he made me start to play volleyball and continue to play volleyball. And so volleyball-wise, he wasn't that great, but he created an atmosphere and a team, and uh, we had so much fun. And um, he also coached us when we in the first division here in Norway. We, when we were one of the best three teams in Norway. But tactically, he wasn't that good, but we had so much fun. And right. uh, it, this sounds maybe scary, but uh, 60% of our time, we played uh, behind the three-meter line, if you know, uh, or the 10-feet line. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so that was 60% of our uh, training. But that made all the players so great at hitting in any kind of set. And I'm sure you so had longer did. rallies that way, too. You could uh, dig yeah. balls and whatnot. Yeah, so we were... Yeah, so all the players were good at hitting and also um, good at defending because there was so much defending in, in, that, uh, in that game. Yeah, right. So, like I said, he didn't know that much about volleyball, but he created something that uh, made us want to go, go to training and we had so much fun uh, during these years. And uh, he, he also created the biggest uh, junior tournament in Norway uh, when we were younger. So he did so much for us, and but also for the sport here in Norway. So we, we need these kinds of people who uh, help the players, who help the, the teams, who does so much for, for the sport. He was so important for me and all the players here. Yeah, it sounds like it. He uh, had a passion for it and created a lot of opportunities for all you young guys and then made it fun too. Did you ever get a chance to yeah. make it up to him for not inviting him to your birthday no, party? <laughs> I met him. Uh, I met him two months ago, and he had had a stroke, and uh, his, his physical uh, condition now is um, is is very bad. So I, I feel so sorry for him. But uh, he's been and when he was when we played, he took his family to a vacation in Poland, which is a place where you usually don't go to vacation. Right. But he went to Poland on vacation so he can buy cheap uh, volleyball jerseys and, and uh, sweaters for us. Oh, so wow. He, he did so much, yeah, so he did so much uh, for us, and uh, I have so much to thank him. Uh, and what was uh, his name? We'll give him a shout. His name is Elda Spartmo, and he's been so important for me. Yeah, well, maybe if he listens to this, it'll put a smile on his mm. face to know that he had such a big <laughs> impact on you and so many other of the uh, youth in uh, Norway there. So that's a great story. Thanks for sharing. Now, now you mentioned uh, the indoor stuff now, um, as far as indoors, um, once you, you kept transitioning to it and you played on the uh, Olympic team there, um, what, what years was that that you competed? And then who were some of the better and more spectacular international players uh, from that time period when you played? Yeah, I, um, I played on the national team here, and we played at a tournament uh, called the, Nor the Nordic Champion, where all the teams in, uh, in the Nordic countries participate. And then I played against some Swedish players, and uh, I heard that some of them played professional volleyball uh, in the south of, uh, south of Europe. And 
this was 1983-1984, and uh, I didn't know that there was professional volleyball in Europe. So when they said that they played professional in Spain and in Greece and in uh, Italy, I wanted to play professional. And uh, I asked them, but they said that, Jan, your problem is that you play on Norway. The national team of Norway has always been bad. <laughs> but, uh, so no, no international teams comes to watch Norwegian players or the Norwegian team. So you have to promote yourself. So what I did, and like I said, this was 19, uh, the end of 83, 1983. I sent a letter to the Norwegian Volleyball Federation and asked for the address to the Volleyball Federation in France, uh, Greece, and Spain. And I got the uh, addresses, so I sent a letter to the, this federation and I asked for the name and the address to the, all the teams in the top division in all these three countries. So I got these uh, teams and addresses from um, France, Greece, and Spain. And I wrote a letter of myself trying to um, brag so much about myself that not bragging too much. <laughs> Fine uh, line there. Interesting. So I, I was kind of explaining my my game, my my strengths and my weaknesses, and I wrote a letter. I sent it to all these teams, uh, more than thirty teams in uh, those three countries, and I got a letter from three three teams in France, one from Greece and one from Spain, and I decided to um, meet the, the uh, teams from France in a tournament in Spain a couple of months later, and uh, so I met the teams there and I decided to sign for a team in France. So I, I, I became a, prof, a professional volleyball player in France in 84 and I played there until 1992. But uh, like I said, this was before internet and uh, this was before, uh, I, I, I didn't know that there was professional volleyball. Right. So I had to promote myself and, um, and uh, I, I was very lucky also because I had kind of an offer from three teams, but I chose the team who gave me the least money. And I have never been focused or um, interested in money. I, I have always been interested in finding a team where I could um, have a good time. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the English word, but uh, um, uh, well, to have a good time. Yeah, a good good chemistry uh, of of players yeah. and uh, that you enjoy yeah. playing with, and just like when you were a youth, that you look forward to because you're having fun, not where it's a job for money. Yeah, and uh, that one um, one of the coach of a French team who played that tournament, he was the coach of that team, and I liked him. I liked his personality, and I. Uh, the setter of the French team also played on that team, and it, it was it was on the coast of uh, France on, on the Riviera, and um, so I thought that uh, I was going to like uh, playing in that team with those people, which I have confidence in, and also my wife uh, was going to have a, a nice uh, time there. Um, so I'm, I was very lucky about that choice. Because I could choose another team, but uh, I was really lucky. And um, so I played there a team called Aragusset in four years. And then I played in AS Cannes, uh, also on the Riviera, the French Riviera. I played there for three years. And um, all these years I got some offers from Italy. 
that which gave, which which could have been uh, giving me more money. But I, I I really feel that I took the real steps in my career. And also, like I said, I played on I lived on the coast on the French Riviera. Uh, so in the summertime, I played beach volleyball. So that. That was when I started to play beach volleyball because I, I haven't heard about beach volleyball before I came to France. Wow. So it, it was so many coincidences that uh, helped the rest of my career. Uh, that's amazing in that you were proactive about, uh, you know, writing those letters and then uh, so many of them to each one of those federations. And then, you know, you just didn't, as the saying goes, you didn't wait for uh, the fish to jump in the boat. You went out there and, and caught them. So that's good for you to, that that happened. I mean, you went after it and, and accomplished it. Now, um, that must have been nice. Yeah but, and I also, yeah, but I also think that people in general, uh, most people, if you, got off, if you have several job offers or professional athletes who got an offer from many teams, they often choose the the, the place where you can make the most money. Mm -hmm. But I have never done these uh, choices. I've always looked on many different uh, things and uh, have, a, have a long um, perspective of, of my choices. Right. And that, that has helped me a lot. Well, that must have been fun playing during the summers on the French Riviera. You always hear about <laughs> what a, an amazing place that is, <laughs> that people from all over the world are, you know, going there to, to enjoy it. What was that like? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but and, and uh, the strange thing is that in France, when they play uh, beach volleyball in France, they play three against three. Oh, okay. On a, on a court that, uh, on a small court, which is 7.5 meters, um, times 7.5 so it is, it's even smaller than the beach football court now so it was a really small small court and three against three so it was very very similar to indoor volleyball so so I played that for many years and after a while I, I started hearing about a two-man beach football tournament in Italy so me and another friend we went to play some tournaments in Italy on the two-man tournament and I heard from uh, some other guys that that kind of playing beach volleyball two against two is the real way of playing beach volleyball three against three. That's only in France. So after a while, I was um, I was hearing about that uh, international uh, two against two beach volleyball, but also of course the AVP in in the US. So um, only uh, when I came to France that I heard about the beach volleyball. I, I haven't heard about that. Right. We don't, we don't have that many beaches. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of forges, but not so many beaches. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like I was going to ask you, being from from Norway, uh, what was your earliest memory of of the AVP, and how how and when did you first see it? Was it you know on some sort of TV channel there? Uh, did you get a VHS tape from somebody or or what? And then who were the players on the AVP that you kind of? were most impressed by or smitten by and said, I, I want to do this someday. Yeah, yeah, but I can also say uh, which, of, which of the indoor players I liked. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's get to them. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, let's do the international players. Um, you know, when you were playing indoors, who, who some of the most impressive ones were during that time that you were uh, playing indoors? Yeah, um, first, I, there was a Swedish guy who, which name, um, his name is Bengt Gustafsson. He was the, by far the best Swedish player, and he played professional in Italy, and he was really good. And 
he had a way of hitting the ball, which I really liked. And I watched him a lot, both live but also on the VHS uh, uh, tape. And um, so I tried to do the things he did. And uh, after a while, I was watching Adria Sorci from Italy, who also who, who was one of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, but also Steve Timmons when I watched him uh, because. The, there are not that many volleyball matches on the week TV, but we watched them from the Olympics. And uh, I really liked Steve Timmons and his aggressive, uh, aggressive playing style. There's a guy from former Yugoslavia or um, Serbia. His name is Vladimir Djurdic. He's younger than me, but he also had a... He, he, didn't, he wasn't that tall. He didn't jump that high, but he had a really good hitting ability. He was great in uh, offense. And I played in Italy for a couple of months in 94, uh, where I just finished the season for a team, and I played with Samuel Le Papi. He's the best player I've played with. He was so amazing. And I've been playing with many great players in France and, uh, and, and also Italy, but he was the best uh, player. He jumped that high. He had the uh, he had so aggressive playing style, and um, he had so many ways of hitting the ball, and uh, it was so fun to play with him. So, uh, but there were, there were there were so many good players, and I tried to learn from uh, many of them, and I watched them on uh, VHS tape, and I tried to find which players are are similar to my playing style, mm-hmm. and which player can I learn from. So I, I learned a lot from many players watching them. How neat. And what did you say the name of the player was that was the great jumper and the best indoor player that you played with? Uh, Samuel Papi. Okay. Samuel Papi. He played, he, I think he has won the Olympics and World Championship with Italy. And, okay. And um, I think he played until he was quite four years old. Samuel Papi. And he was, some sometimes at training, I just stopped uh, playing because I'm just amazed of what <laughs> he did. <laughs> and uh, like I said, I've, I've been playing with many great players, but uh, that, he was the only one where I stopped playing because what happened here now? How did he do that? And he, he was amazing and, uh, and uh, also a really nice guy. And um, he was fun fun to watch and fun to play with. Yeah, well, that's, that's, the, that's what you, all you can hope for. Oh, how neat. Oh. Now, um, jumping ahead now to... Uh, the AVP, um, who were, uh, like I mentioned, um, who, how did you first see it? And then who were some of the, the AVP players that you, uh, that inspired you and you, you looked up to and made you, you know, planted that seed that this is what I want to do and I want to do it well someday. Yeah. Um, I first heard about the AVP when I lived in France and, uh, I believe it was, one of my teammates in Cannes, he had some magazines or some VHS tapes of, of uh, AVP. And there were also some, both in a Norwegian volleyball magazine and a French volleyball magazine, they wrote about uh, the AVP beach volleyball. So that got me interested. And I, I, I also remember, and I also think I had that tape uh, even today, uh, VHS, tape, uh, VHS tape about uh, a highlight from an ADP season in the late uh, 80s. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was my first experience with ADP. And um, 
of course, the players like Sinjin uh, uh, and Randy, Smith Stoklos, but also Karch and Stephens and Adam Johnson, and Mike Dodd, and also like Kim Hovland, because we we thought that we had some Norwegian family somewhere. Because oh. Hovland is a quite Norwegian name. Okay. So, so we, we believe that we have some Norwegian family somewhere. So uh, <laughs> I also remember watching him. Um, but I also remember that, of course, the players did amazing thing. The level was so great. And uh, but I also like the because beach volleyball and on the repeat, it was it was a show. It was a spectacular. It was um, entertaining. And but I, I like the the way. They, it was a lot of trash talk, or my impression is that was, <laughs> uh, they were so aggressive when they played, and they were so happy when they won a game, or won a, a point, they were so happy when they won, a blo- when they blocked the guy, and um, so I, I like that way of uh, approaching the game, every point is so important, and, uh, and sometimes also you want to try to get into the other player's head or mind but with kind of uh, yeah, beating them uh, by uh, getting them aggressive or yeah and getting uh, into I'm their head a little bit and yeah uh, yeah yeah Hovland uh, was an expert at that <laughs> he was a, a fiery tiger out there to put it mildly yeah and especially in the highlights video I, I was watching a lot of that, that and I'm, I'm not sure if that inspired me but I've always like that way of approaching the game. All the sports, it's, it's the entertainment industry. And uh, we, we, we need to entertain the, the, the fans, the public, or the TV viewers. And if it's too boring, it's also getting too boring for the spectators. So you need to try to create uh, something. And I think that many of the American players uh, did that, uh, and did that in a good way. And I like that way of approaching the game. Yeah, that era when Smith Stoklos were battling Hovland and Dodd so frequently um, in the, the the mid to late '80s uh, into you know the early '90s, right before Hovland and Dodd broke up. I mean, as they say, that was like watching the Lakers in the Celtics of the NBA in the the early and mid '80s. Which just it, that's a, a rivalry that comes around once every. 50 huh. years it was it was always fireworks going off in that to put it mildly <laughs> for the top competitors yeah. going blow for blow it was something something else it's a, it hooked me on the sport too yeah and, and i think we need that firework uh because that attracts uh media that attracts uh fans and that creates also profiles if you are a, the world's greatest player but if you are a boring person then if you never do something bad or wrong or that's that's that makes it a little bit boring and um so, so I, I like that way of uh playing uh and uh, like that approaching the, the game and you, you can fight during the game but uh you, you can also be friends afterwards but uh, sure. we, we we are in the entertainment industry and uh i think it's important to remember that you know how you mentioned earlier that uh culturally is a um, is a culture there in Norway that you're kind of viewed uh, more as kind of conservative, quiet, colder type people, so to speak, not very expressive. So um, when you got on the volleyball court and started playing doubles, did uh, 
did you incorporate any of that uh, AVP, Hovland-esque uh, fire in your game at all, or did you just admire it from afar? Well, I, 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 um, I tried to do it, but, but I had so much anger in me uh, when I played. And um, Bjorn Masaida, my partner for 10 years, he told me, but because I, I had many friends on the FRB World Tour, and Bjorn thought that when we played against my friends, I was too nice. So Bjorn wanted me to become more aggressive and really uh, hate the players on, on the other side because uh, he wanted me to be aggressive uh, no matter which team we played. So I tried to, 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 to uh, for that yeah, example, but also I did it in my own way. Um, a, French, a really good French friend of me, uh, Jean-Philippe Jodard, he started to call me MAP, MAP. <laughs> and that stands for most arrogant player. <laughs> <laughs> MAP. All right. Nickname, my nickname. My nickname on the FRB tour was Map, most arrogant player, and it started as a fun uh, trash talk thing be- be- uh, between me and uh, Jodar, the, the, my French friend. But many of the players started also to call me Map. <laughs> but that was also because uh, I tried sometimes to to come into the other player's mind. Uh, so for example, if, if I blocked one guy, uh, I could just land and I could just watch him and not, not make any cheer or just watch him like, this, this was nothing, this, this, this was easy. So <laughs> when I saw that some players was angry when I did that, I tried to do it even more because if you make a player angry, he, was, he, he will be next uh, hit hit even harder and often a touch uh, uh, hit it uh, cross, co- uh, cross court. So I try to, to make the players angry to hit even harder next, the next time and it made, the, it, it, it made it often easier to block him even the next time. So I try to use that thing uh, sometimes, not all the time, but um, that, that made the, uh, the map thing uh, last for a couple of years. Most arrogant players. So, so I was kind. Uh, I think I really think that the people who didn't know me, they thought I was uh, quite arrogant when I played. But <laughs> that was it was uh, a reason behind it. Right. It was it was tactical. It served you well. You you used the uh, the uh, stare down and then um, yeah. <laughs> and then get in their head. Hey, <laughs> speaking of which, um, I'm sure you're well aware of. Uh, of the actor Dolph Lundgren, who played Ivan Drago in yeah. Rocky IV. I've seen some profile <laughs> photos of you. Has, how often have people confused you or called you Dolph Lundgren or Ivan Drago over your lifetime? I would imagine I'm not the only one who's seen that. <laughs> it's, it's fun that you mentioned it, because 10 years ago, Bjorn Masada, my, my beach football partner, and his wife and uh, some other people, we were in Rome, in Italy, uh, on a trip. And we were going to take a cab. And the cab driver believed I was Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we, and we had, had a couple of uh, beers and uh, some drinks. And uh, I played along. And, and it, was, it, it was in the evening. It was quite dark. But he, he really thought I was... Uh, Dolph Lundgren, and he, and he wanted me in the, in the front of the car with him. And the rest of the guys were sitting in, uh, in, in the back seat. Oh, sure. But I, 
uh, which I will mention later. Now, I have never done any physical training in my life, so my, I don't have any muscles <laughs> on my body. So when when he uh, believed I was Dolph Lundgren, when I was sitting in the car, I really had to push my uh, chest. Uh, um, you had to uh, flex. You were yeah. flexing real hard. You almost yeah, gave yourself an aneurysm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, and when we when we came to the city. Uh, he wanted to take a picture of me, uh, but when he took the picture, I I, I, I think that he might have understood that <laughs> I wasn't wrong. But uh, he asked me 10, 15 questions in the in the in the in the car uh, about my films, uh, where I live now, and uh, so on. We, we were just having fun. But uh, I've been called uh, both Dolph, but also Arnold Schwarzenegger. Some pe- people think I have the face of Arnold. Yeah, the body uh, of uh, not like Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> of a gazelle. I'm, I'm a skinny, I'm a skinny tall uh, so, um, yeah. yeah, string bean. So that's a great story. I'm glad I got that in there. So yeah, you were the. Uh, with uh, my point being that uh, when you were on the court, you gave them the the uh, I must break you, uh, Ivan Drago, Rocky for uh, a stare. And uh, that uh, put him into the phone booth then when you roofed him off the court. That's classic. (laughs) I I wonder if that cab driver still has that photo and he shows it to everybody. And they go, that's not Dolph Lundgren. He's about half the size of Dolph. But uh, anyway, that's a good story. This wraps up part one of our interview with Jan Kvalheim. Thanks so much for tuning in. Stay tuned for part two. Before I let you go, I'd like to give credit to the musicians that we use for our Gods to Ghost Volleyball podcast. The opening track is from the band Sponge. The song title is Rainin' off the album Rotting Pinata. The closing track is from the band Magna Carta Cartel out of Sweden. Song title is That It's Already Too Late off the album Good Morning Restrained. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. Thank you.